Be the best rugby coach you can be. Welcome to Rugby Coach Weekly Podcast with head coach Dan Cottrell, where you learn hints and tips from the rugby coaching community. Let's get started. Hello and welcome to the Rugby Coach Weekly Podcast. I'm Dan Cottrell, head coach at Rugby Coach Weekly. And in this podcast, we're welcoming uh, Matt Gold, who is Director of Rugby at Abingdon School and also a very successful podcast host in his own right. He's got a stellar list of guests on his podcast during the last lockdown. Anyway, hi, Matt. Thanks very much for joining us. Hi, Dan. Absolute pleasure. This is this is awesome. A real privilege. Thank, thank you very much for inviting me. Uh, you said uh, just before we started that this um You've never been asked some of these questions uh, other than in a job interview. So does that make you a little extra nervous or a little excited? Both, actually, both. I am actually quite, quite, quite excited, to say the least, but I'm actually a bit nervous. It's just um, but for some, of the, some of the podcasts that I've done, obviously, it's, you're on the other side of the fence and now you've been asked a question. So, um, but no, I'm, I'm really super excited. It's really kind of you to ask me and I uh, feel very, very, very lucky. So thank, thanks very much. And um, yeah, I'm looking forward to, to this. It's going to be great. All right. Well, you've, you've had some good guests on the other side uh, and we'll maybe talk about those in a moment. So um, it would probably be, well, it would be extremely wrong to choose a favourite guest, guest from the, the great list that you had. You had some medal-winning coaches, legends like Gordon Kitchens, Brian Ashton and Ben Ryan. However, uh, can you outline... From the podcast, a couple of lessons you learned that you're using now. Yeah, as you say, some of the some of the um, people on the on the pod, some I knew, um, some I didn't know, and uh, literally cold called them. Um, and um, I think something that sort of I picked up on was sort of the willingness from their end to to connect and to share, um, and you know, share knowledge and. And I must note that there was no financial gain at all. Literally, quite often it was me badgering somebody, you know, and saying, "Would it be okay if we have a chat?" You know, and um, the idea would be to, to, from my point of view as well, was to have a bit of a challenge personally in, in lockdown and and see what we can do to support some of the the pupils and coaches um, who weren't able to obviously participate at, at that time. But in terms of lessons learned, um, I think. Some of the things about being robust and experiencing failure and developing character—that was sort of a theme within uh, the podcast. And I, I was really interested in seeing and listening to how successful coaches, successful people, um, you know, were able to develop that within players and and themselves as well. And you know, the idea of um, the leaders that they were you know, coming out and telling and being honest about that and maybe some life experiences, some real experiences. So, you know, you know, Andy Friend, Ben Ryan, Mike Friday, Gary Gold, um, Brennan Venter, Gordon Titchens, they were all, it was all really interesting how they were able to mould themselves around the environment that they were in. You know, thinking about people who move around the world a lot, taking themselves from club to club, national team to national team. Um, how challenging that must be for the family. But then when you when you go to a new organisation, a new business, what are you actually going to do? How are you going to lead these people? And what I noticed, which which is something I've taken um, forward in my own time um, in, in school as well, is that if you impose yourself immediately, you can have some success, but you might not get the buy-in from everyone. And what I noticed was they, they would listen to, to the people around them, um, listen to the... Look out, observe, 
um, quite often not be quiet, but initially take in the culture, the the traditions, the the silly little things that might happen around in the change room or in the town, and then they would pick them up and have them as as part of that culture, that routine, and it would match into the values, not just that they believe in, but more importantly, that the the players and the community around them believe in. Um, and therefore, as I go back to the point of there's a buy-in um, from the players and from everyone around. And it was really interesting to to see that, whether that's, as you say, Ben going to Fiji or Mike going to the USA or Andy at the moment um, in Connacht. Um, and it was it was just incredible to to listen to those those people. If you were a, uh, well, and you might talk about this as your experience going to Abingdon, uh, you arrive on day one and you've got to be making decisions pretty much as soon as you arrive. Uh, you may have to be choosing staff, you may have to be allocating budgets, and that opportunity may be to look, listen, and not make decisions it might be taken out of your hands to a certain extent. What I mean, probably from their experiences, but from your own experiences, how do you get yourself into a position where you do have that chance to maybe take stock before you start to make some major decisions? I think I think probably being open about that to start with that this is what you're you're going to be doing, um, and this is you know it's and taking time to to get to know people and build relationships. I think that's per, just from a personal perspective. That's definitely something that I'm massive about, and I know that I know a lot of people talk about it, but if I look back on on things it's about staying connected with people and, and linking with people and I think the the idea of maybe coming in and making big decisions I don't think anyone necessarily would make maybe make that point to you immediately as you say budgets and other other points might be taken out of your hands so in some ways it's actually quite easy um, because you probably actually haven't got huge expectations no one's going to expect you to change the world immediately um, and certainly from my point of view of, of when I moved schools from John Fisher to, to Abingdon, um, you know, that first year particularly was very much um, coaching the team that I was coaching. Um, certainly any any pupils that I would teach, I'd give everything to and, and, and commit to them. But I was very much looking at the, the, the culture, the players, the staff, um, seeing all the strengths in the school and huge amounts of potential and trying to... Um, sometimes note down on my phone, sometimes just remember, other times note in my notebook, you know, what what things can we build on um, and what things maybe could I influence? What maybe one thing could I could I change um, and, and drive and, and improve um, an already successful environment? We talk a lot about buy-in and something that you've uh, emphasised and I think all these coaches emphasise. It can't be the case that every single person in your organization buys into what you do uh, you can get some people straight away they'll almost be your uh, supporters that you'll turn to others might take a bit longer but then inevitably there's ones who will not fully buy in do you I mean in a school situation you can't sack them you can't take them away from you. you've got to be with them all the time how do you deal with those those people who aren't uh, to um, coin coin a phrase on the same bus um well whether that's pupils or staff i think i think it's actually interesting that you know if you get a team at under 12 um you can't you can't buying a tongue and recruit can you um you know they, they, you've got to you've got to work with what you've got and um you, you you 
it's you, you need to have that understanding and not get um, you know and you see it as a as an opportunity as a challenge to to better yourself and to try and get small wins from time to time and I think that's really important whether that's a team an individual a player a member of staff I think having empathy and understanding about the situation that that particular person's in and getting to try to get to know them as much as possible um, is really important and therefore you can then help them and maybe put the question sometimes back to them of you know what can I do to help you you know this is this is engaging with which I'm you know hopefully you're enjoying it hopefully I'm supporting you but what can I do to help you? What And it will be different. There might be a common trend, a theme. And um, certainly over the last year or two, um, the support that um, as a team of, of staff, there's a, there's a core team of staff um, at school been trying to develop some some curricula and, um, and different ways of, of helping and some of our, our, our staff at school. Um, the, the idea for for me has been definitely to, to to look at each individual case as it as it comes each member of staff each team um, and try and develop those those aspects to be bespoke almost really two things come out of what you've just said uh first of all i just want to pick uh pick your brains a bit on small wins because i know that that is um often a very effective way of building trust uh between you and somebody else and also opening yourself up and saying, look, how can I help you? And I've had personal experience where a difficult situation has actually been turned around by just using those simple terms. But can you give me some examples of small wins uh, with perhaps players or staff who might be regarded as not uh, swimming in the same direction? Things that um, coaches can say, maybe maybe I'll look for that. What is that? Um, so, so... Things like, I mean, it could easily be couldn't it? a bit of kit. Sounds silly, but a bit of kit, a bit of a buy in there. Um, I, I like the the idea of um, of, of certainly of, of organising uh, some some individual some team socials, um, whether that's with staff. Um, quite often with the new staff, I you know I really make a point of getting to know them and um, and also as well some of the other staff. You know, it might well be that we we you know we we have a, a social together, or um, it could be that I'm um i'm really going to help them out with their their you know their class in some respect you know it might be well be that you know i can support in a different way maybe some of the experiences that i've got from um from previous schools that maybe i could help them in that respect um and certainly on a, a small win basis it might well be time um so it could be that you know just the understanding of whether they do they have to be at every single session every single week having some empathy and understanding that they're quite often the members of staff who are under pressure are quite are academic members of staff who've got a huge amount going on around the school um and and it could be a pupil as well you know i'm talking about pupils you know my first 15 player who's also in the orchestra maybe he's got a drama production really committed doesn't want to lose his place but you're already you already be are proactive in in small wins and saying, look, don't, don't be here today. Go and do that, that instead, make sure you are up to date with this so that they, they feel that you're caring about them and that, um, you know, them and understand them. And therefore we talk about buy-in. they're willing then to go that extra mile. Um, or when you make a mistake, which I hold my hand up and I make quite a few, you know, and when you make a mistake, they're willing to actually go, well, actually, you know, Goldie's, Goldie's, you know, he's a good guy, hopefully, and uh, and I'll, I'll I'll put in an effort him next time and uh, step up to the plate. So it, it's um, 
it's a team effort and very much and that's how I would like to to think that people listening to this might might sort of take from it it's a team effort it's got to be a buy-in where you can help someone out particularly um when that maybe when they need it and when they're under pressure um and then also um giving that back to them um, and then giving they can give that back to you and potentially it might be in a performance or in a good coaching session um so like in terms of inset for example at the start of term you know that's a quite a good indicator um or maybe it might be an inset when when it turns up in november and it's really dark and dull and no one wants to be there you know how many people would actually be there um and certainly it's been interesting it's it's the numbers have picked up slowly over over the years of of who's actually uh, who, who's there and i think that's quite cool because it means that they care they they enjoy it they want to be with each other and trying to create a team morale and amongst the staff um even just simple things which i'm sure everyone's got like whatsapp group text messages a bit of banter um buying buying pink belts or pink watches or um you know um everyone on the bus has to have a you know bring different bits of food with them um you know just trying to cr- make it fun you know if you've got a two and a half hour trip to sherborne away um and you've got a ton of marking to do and three kids at home um probably the last thing you want to do is take take one of the teams um to a point um and but you want to make it fun and engaging for them and and feel part of a part of a group and part of a family and that's that's the idea anyway and which brings me to the the next point which i was going to uh, say is that you've 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 brought in some not radical but you've asked the staff probably just to go that extra mile in the last year or so with the way that you've driven forward the way that you want rugby to work you couldn't have done that in year one you've had to build up that bank of trust and um, the the sense that look Goldie's done this to me I think I could just go a little extra and do something on his behalf so that suggests that coaches can't make big changes until they've almost given the coaches a bit of something in return yeah yeah I mean okay I'm thinking about back to the first year where just touching on that again I gave a lot of energy and and kind of a passion enthusiasm uh to 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 all the coaches and tried to make sure that I could support them and I moved around different groups um I mean we're very very lucky if, if, if people are listening, you know in terms of the school in our timetable first of all um and I'm able to uh, be across all of the age groups the way that the timetable works so theoretically I could coach you know in the um, in the week or in the certainly in a couple of weeks every pupil in the school um, so therefore, I can be supporting every staff member. So that kind of that buzz, that energy that you can give them, and uh, it, it, it is massive. That that then hopefully later on, as you say, that next couple of years, that trust, that buy-in, that they'll be prepared to to listen and to to maybe try some not wacky but different ideas. So, for example, um, maybe we've got three coaches on. Uh, one's refereeing a game. One's doing one-on-one pull-out pull out um you know individual um um, feedback and another one might be changing the constraints of the game and leading the actual coaching session you know if we've got three staff on now we need to have that organized and we need to have that um the the staff understanding what their roles are and also most importantly understanding the and having clarity and simplicity in what they're actually doing Um, and that that's something that we tried maybe like two and a half years ago Um, um another another one might be like a system of play um which 
to be honest, I've kind of gone full circle and then I'm all, all over the place all the time with my thoughts on this. It all depends on the team, but systems of play, I'm kind of out, out, out the window with lots of those at the moment. And I just think that um, I've tried different things. So my first year there, I tried um, <laughs> ridiculous, really. I've been watching too much Sky Sports, but I, but I was try, trying, trying a, a two four two system, which and um, realised pretty quickly that we didn't have the players to do that. But I still persevered with it because I wanted to learn uh, learn about that. So and the other coaches around me as well were telling me it wasn't working or um, were learning the, the, the system and the calls. And then more more recently, um, in terms of curricula and is is actually. I think this year, the lockdown and then coming back uh, to school and not having the fixtures, the opportunity there was that we didn't have any fixtures. Therefore, there's no pressure on selection. Therefore, every training session could be very much about development, um, obviously having competitive elements within it as well. But it, what it allowed us to do was to latch latch on with, with other staff even more and they could learn the language, the terminology, the key things that about the about the skills, the drills, the techniques, rather than focusing on whether you know little Johnny. Well, I need a hooker this week. You know, he could go there. So that was. It's, there's, a, there's a lot of positives that have happened actually in the last few months. In the even though it's um, been a, been a tricky time. So yeah, there's there's a there's a process that's happened over the last couple of years um, in terms of development um, that that we're that we're starting to get some clarity in our coaching definitely. So going. Back to when you started and the fact that you say you'd be changing your mind. Uh, one of the dangers that keen coaches face is uh, trying to decipher uh, how to use all the different views and approaches to coaching. And probably, and I found this certainly, you come away from a podcast and think, well, I might just try go and try that. Um, how have you been? How have you been able to find clarity in your own coaching, given that you've exposed yourself to so many different ideas um well i mean first of all really very very fortunate really lucky uh you know in terms of the experience that experiences that i've had um from so this is a really important point i think to start with in terms of like the the people that i've been able to 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 be in touch with and learning from um, all the time, um, thinking back to when I started teaching all the way through to, um, you know, I was at Windsor Boys School, um, then John Fisher, which pretty much it was known as they had the Welsh Mafia. Um, there were a lot, a lot of guys there who absolute legends and people that were like father, were genuinely surrogate dads, really. Um, and, uh, you know, though it was a proper family in that respect. Um, and then, you know, more recently, um, pretty much going I mean our family moved to Abingdon it's not as if we're moving to Australia but I knew I knew pretty much no one going and dropping myself in a new situation and so clarity was quite important you know I had to lean on what I knew before and that wasn't always right because the environment our environments are different the pupils are different the expectations are different the time that you have with them is different everything's different but the game in itself is actually on the field is the same so there was a lot of things outside of that which were rocking and you need to find clarity in your coaching. I, I've always sought opportunities as well. Um, so I've always sought out people and kept connections over the years, whether that's a professional coach or someone who I think that maybe I could pick the phone up and speak to. And that's helped me with my coaching and sometimes my confidence. Um, those are kind of general things. But in terms of maybe sort of the bedrock 
of, of, of coaching and what's given me clarity. Uh, this, this isn't sound woolly, hopefully, but it does, it does um, if you stick with me, have, have a... Have, I'm sticking with you. It's, it's sort of, for me, genuinely, it's always been about, I got into teaching and coaching because I loved coaching the, and teaching the, the, the clubs and teams. And from the experiences that I had when I was at school and, and, and they, were, they were fantastic memories and they, you know, they stay with everyone. And that's the reason why I still and have to, uh, 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 you know, that influences my coaching massively, and more recently as well, with in terms of the school, the positive attitude um, that that I want to kind of give to them is the love for the game, and therefore I give them try and give as many experiences outside of the the, the coaching as well, the trips, the the tours, um, so that we can foster a love for the game, and therefore when it comes to the field itself, the actual coaching and delivery. Um, can be can also be of a, a high quality. That's something that we've that I've really changed and tried to to, to drive. Um, and with my own coaching and um, clarity, it's it's been through trial and error. So trying things that, as I mentioned before in your previous question, trying things and then failing, uh, trying and getting the coaches to buy into maybe a coaching method. For example, as I mentioned, like a whole part whole. We're going to do all our sessions whole part whole. Um, everyone's going to do that. And um, I'm going to lead it with you today, but this is how we're going to break it down. So we're going to have a breakout. We're going to have uh, two games going on either side of that. And the theme this week is going to be about catching and passing. Um, and and for me to, to to say that to these staff, the staff now, they understand that. Um, that's taken quite a while to, for me to be quite quick about speaking like that and then for them to, to get to that point. Now, someone might be listening to this thinking that's pretty, you know, it's been around for years. But to get sort of 26, 27 plus members of staff aligned with some clarity, it's not easy, particularly if you're losing two or three a year to another school, gaining two or three, losing one because they, they're going to do another sport. So you're constantly having to to, to change, to, to be consistent with your message and language. Um, and the quality of the coaching sessions this year have come around or last last year before last term because of the sort of the preview and review um, and the planning that's gone into them at the front end, particularly of the week, you know, two or three hours as a team. So I, I mentioned, obviously, you've invited me on the podcast today, but um, uh, Steve Bates, um, who's um, a professional sports coach, the former, um, obviously, DOR, he won't want me telling you this, he'll be livid when he, if he was to listen to this. But, you know, DOR at Newcastle and, and England and 20s head coach, you know, is, is we call him behind his back in an affectionate way, Yoda. Um, you know, working and having the privilege to, to to work with someone like that, where you can bounce ideas off, um, uh, who's extremely humble, and you know that working around environments like that and uh, or working in an environment like that is incredible. So that's how you can get clarity because you can have honest, open conversations within your coaching team um, and actually criticise yourself, but also as well well know that you can do it with someone else and that's quite a healthy environment to have so that's how we get clarity within our coaching team but also therefore it allows us when we spread our wings and go and coach with another member of staff in the school we know that we're delivering exactly the same thing and if we are with them over a number of weeks they get consistency in listening to us in the structure of the session um and um on top of that as well you know we're producing online resources for them whether that's videos um, lesson plans um, and and sort of go to drills and skills and things like that. So that's something that we've we're, we've developed or developing um, at the moment. With these sessions, 
the coaches who are going out to coach them, they're not um, running um, drills, activities, games, whatever we'd want to call them. They're not completely unfamiliar to them. So they've got some... Uh, they've got some something to hold on to when they're coaching, or are they? Are you saying right? Have you? We're going to play this version of touch rugby which you've never seen before. Well, what's what's the balance between old and new in terms of the actual activities? You know, something that I've definitely picked up in the last, say, this year, definitely in the last sort of eighteen months, is is not to keep changing things. Um. They have to kind of remember, I mean, you know, I'm thinking of a person, you know, someone who's going to be just got the Sunday one, once a week with, the, with with their son training. We're really lucky. We potentially have three sessions a week with the, with the pupils. Now, most of them it's two, but the keen ones can have a third one. Even with that number of sessions, uh, the, 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 the players forget and the, the staff forget. And so having a simple... Uh, game or a couple of games that have options. I'm talking something simple like a presentation touch, two pass touch, something simple like that. That has the option of of, of of sort of being developed pretty quickly, depending on what member of staff is is with them. is is massive, and also as well, um, drills absolutely have a have a have a key place. But maybe the length of time um, that you have with them depend will depend on the skill set of the players and also as well um, of the member of staff. And the member of staff have, uh, there's, a, there's basically just a, a set n- number of core core drills and games. And so they get used to coaching those, or they have got used to coaching those without really realising it And um, over the term. And we'll just stick to those. And, and they will adapt. Everything will evolve, won't it? Everything continues to evolve. But they will they will know the name of the game or the, um, uh, or, or, or the key theme or the key coaching points within it. Um, and again, if you were to look at it in front of you now, it's not going to be rocket science. It's gonna, not going to be something you haven't heard of before. Um, but we're just going to stick to certain things and get good at good at them, really good at them. Uh, going, going back to the point you made about uh, you're very lucky to have three sessions a week. I think uh, the other thing we have to remember, of course, is that that's three sessions over maybe a 12-week term, if you're lucky. And uh, if you do a full season of Sundays, you probably have as many sessions as you would um, in 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 that. So it's probably not quite. You probably have a little bit more time, but I suppose it's all squeezed yeah. into yeah. A, a tighter space of time. Yeah, we we and the, the the sort of just a bit of a challenge this year, personally, and then pushed it out to the to the other coaches was that we challenged to, to plan every single session for every age group for every lesson for the entire term and I'm talking I, I personally haven't done a uh, that since I qualified back in uh, 16 17 years ago so you know not not in that much depth and detail so um, it, it, it was it, it, it was a real real challenge to squeeze that in and so actually you kind of think well we've run out of ideas but we didn't we just repeat we would just repeat certain sessions or we'd adapt the session. And after about four or five weeks, we were, it was a bit of a nightmare because you, you, you had, you had to, even within your third year under 14 group, um, you had, you know, a huge range of ability um, and therefore you had to differentiate every single session. But, um, you know, you were on a, on a spectrum and you were able to pick out the key bits and everyone, every group and every player is working at their own own pace. Um, 
So, yes, I think I see what you mean about the time, but it was very much, it's a condensed in a school, particularly mm. one term rugby school, it's condensed down. So you have to be a lot more organised and you've probably, not, you've probably got less time to, to review and to think and to, and, and, and to, and to move forward because of that. I'm just thinking about uh, that word which scares many coaches is differentiation. Um, now, to a certain extent, um, big private schools like Abingdon have a certain amount of advantages because they can uh, stream rugby. Now, we might we'll come on to that maybe in a moment, and I know that you've um, you've got some ideas around that. Uh, let's just go to. Um, differentiating within a within a group of players um how would you help coaches approach the fact that some of their players are going to be very athletic skillful and strong at one end and very keen and at the other end um this is uh, an hour and a half i need to survive before i can go off and do something which i'm really looking forward to <laughs> um yeah, how, what, so are we talking one group here? Are we talking, are we talking are, are, you know, I've got 20, 20 players in front of me under 14. Uh, and yeah. They're all very, very different in their ability. So almost, yeah. Yeah, not easy. Uh, and, and I think probably the number one thing that steps out straight away to me is um, in terms of that is probably around the contact, um, something which I'd be, be very wary of. And that's, that's something that would be um, a challenge. But actually, it might well be that you've got, I'm thinking off the cuff here, you know, uh, in, in this in this respect, but p- t- taking some of the things that we've learned from from the from this year, particularly in last year, um, you know, it might well be that you split the group up into three group, uh, four groups of five, you know, it could be depending on their ability, um, and and put them into into those, and it might well be that the the lowest ability is just working on, for example, everyone's doing tackling, or if you want to call it that, but maybe they're doing the the tracking of that everyone does some tracking. To start with, and footwork, um, there's no contact as in hit, but maybe it's getting close, getting in. Um, it could well be about getting the hands really tight, getting your foot, feet really tight. Um, that also, as well, how you plan um, the, the defender, where the defender comes from. It could be very much controlled in terms of coming from a certain um, angle um, so that you get the, the picture exactly right. Whereas your top group might have done that two weeks ago um, they might have moved on and they're actually ending up doing a full contact tackle onto a, a hit shield, for example, onto a crash mat, um, finishing on their feet. So you've got you've got three or four four different um, stages um, uh, of maybe tackle technique, working on track, uh, tracking all the way up to the actual finish and stand up and compete. Um, and maybe somewhere in the middle where you might have um, a player uh, making a tackle, maybe just lifting the player, putting him back down, and then maybe the next step would be hitting the shield um, and driving the person back. But again, getting the attacker to come from a certain direction, hitting with a set shoulder, uh, the, the defender maybe lining up to start with. So you're you're giving them confidence through that um, through that ta- through contact tackle technique. Um, and then, of course, the extreme end with that would be where you have a you know no shield, no no hit shield, no crash mat. And um, and the defender can obviously go wherever they want, you know, one v one live tackle. Um, so that you could that's that seems quite complicated. But actually, if you were to um, start pre season and you were looking at tackling, I'd hope that any coach would would do a couple of weeks or a couple a few sessions of 
of tracking tap um, before they won't go into actually making doing contact. So actually, even for your top player in your under fourteen team, it's actually the same drill. You're just doing it. Um, you're just you're just maybe do it, pushing the top group on um, a bit more and the middle group on a little bit more, and then the the, the, the weakest group you just maybe maintain um, uh, their 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 tracking. Because for me, obviously, sorry to suck eggs, but if you if you've got poor footwork, if you can't get your feet close, your shoulders are not going to be there. Therefore, you can't tackle. So there's actually no point doing full contact unless you've got get your feet in close. So I suppose is that is that a good answer? I don't know. <laughs> sort of... Well, I'm I'm thinking that um, well, first of all, um, to put you on the spot like that is uh, is pretty horrible from my my part. So uh, you've done very well to uh, come up with that, and I. I don't think anyone would uh, be listening in and thinking, uh, well, that, that, that doesn't uh, that doesn't sound right at all. Because, of course, you contact is the key area to differentiate because of the safety. Um, and I think anyone who thinks otherwise um, probably doesn't know how what it's like to coach kids uh, around that age when they're all trying to find themselves in terms of the the their contact ability. Um, I'd also suggest that you're saying that this is not the whole session. You're not differentiating the whole session. You're differentiating small parts of it to allow some of the players to uh, improve at the right pace. But you would be doing other things together because obviously players would learn from better players would learn from the less the less able would learn from the better, but also the better can teach the less able. Yeah, and and the boy, you know, or the, the girl will get up and be watching someone five meters away and doing it perfectly, or you know, and they're going to learn. They're going to look because we 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 sometimes forget, don't we? That you know, particularly myself, all the time. I love rugby. I watch rugby. I watch it all the time. Uh, I uh, I know how to do this. I know how to tackle the tack. The player doesn't watch rugby all the time. You know, probably, particularly the types of player that we're maybe talking about here. You know, you're, if you want to split them into ability of higher middles and, and sort of lower ability, the lower and middle ability, it might be they don't really watch rugby that much. They enjoy it, and actually, um, but they don't really do it outside of the, the training session, and so they don't have a picture, a visual picture of what it actually looks like. Um, and I'm not talking about getting an iPad out or anything like that. Actually, seeing someone who's really good at it next to you, all of a sudden they, they might go, "Well, I." Oh, that's what it looks like. All oh, right, okay. Whereas actually, if you if you if you remove them entirely from from that, then you don't. Um, they will never really potentially push on as much as they should. And and the, the the four areas that I was giving, and I might not have explained it that well, but the four kind of groups there, the four groups of five. Um, that's potentially how we could also group larger larger groups together um, yeah. on our on our sort of games afternoons, and you know. Um, that's that, that's really important in terms of a game. I mean, I this this was relatively successful. It got it was quite none of the none of the players and staff initially did like liked it in the first couple of training sessions. To be honest, but um, <laughs> it was basically it was a turnover every time you got the technique correct in um, in your touch game. So every time, and it is subjective, but every time the referee slash coach felt that you were low. Uh, had two hands around the waist and had your had your feet close-ish, you know. And I, I stress that's very subjective. Yeah. Um, it it was a turnover. So that so um, every single time. Now 
it wasn't just two-handed touch above. We found in a lot of touch games, you see, that the, the, the players were touching them um, around the, the, the waist, um, above the waist on the chest, sometimes one-handed. Um, but being quite rigid about that and consistent about it's got to be two hands to start with and it has to be at the waist. All of a sudden, if they're doing that, most of the time they're close, which means if they're doing that, then they're actually going to have improved their tackling without it being a full contact tackle. Um, because ultimately, if you are close, then you have got more confidence to actually get your arms around when it comes to the tackling. Um, so that that was something that we did in terms of a game. So we we did a, um, it, you know, it, it was it was a game. It's a game that it seems seems pretty simple, doesn't it? We could overload the game and all those kind of things and different scoring systems, but actually, don't com- don't com- complicate it. Two hands, re- feet really close, nice and low. Tackle is called. They have to go down, present the ball. So they're practicing their presentation, but they're presenting it to the opposition. That got a bit of that got that took about two or three sessions to get that. And then, and then- but first of all, I'm glad I'm glad you said. Uh, there's a couple of things. I'm sorry to interrupt, but I think it's very important. There's a couple of things coming out that we need to emphasize. First of all, it took time for these games to work oh. and for the players to buy in. Yeah, I don't think there's. Uh, I don't think we can underplay that because lots of coaches may give up on games because they aren't getting that it takes time for the games to come in and the second point I'm going to highlight that you've talked about a lot is actually you're rewarding good processes so it doesn't necessarily mean that the outcome would have been perfect but you're saying if you've done this uh, with your hands feet and um, tracking then we'll reward you yeah, and that is that's that's vital in this. Yeah, and another thing, I'm just going to. I know you're going to crack on with this, but just I want to go back to another point you made, which is this idea of players watching other players. Now, I'm going to use um, a term that we often think is terrible uh, in training, which is a queue. If you've got a queue of players at uh, any stage, that is tends to be uh, detrimental. However, if you can create that cue when someone has actually got a chance to actively watch good practice, then they've got um, a much better template. And I, I think that's uh, the point you made earlier on, that these players don't watch any rugby, or very rarely, so seeing some good practice. So I'm just wondering how, I mean, there is obviously an optimum amount. You could, if you have 10 players in a queue, it's not going to work. Groups would be good. Um, and yeah, certainly the kind of 15 on one side and 20 on another is not what we're saying. But if we, no. if we've got small groups, you know, maybe groups of six is, is, is a good, is a good, and, and, you know, hit shields and, uh, or, 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 you know, you can imagine one of those and then they're rotating round and they're taking on to a crash map. We've done the last couple of seasons, um, uh, to be fair, Steve Steve brought brought that in quite, and it was fantastic, and it adds a huge amount. I have to say, um, if, if you, and I know it, this might seem like, well, where am I going to get a gym crash mat from? Obviously, we're a school, but gym crash mat, um, tackling onto the crash mat, and and it ma- adds a huge amount of confidence um, for from an under twelve all the way up to elite level, taking it um, and having maybe five or six guys there queued up. What, by the, to be honest, by the time the player gets up, walks around, takes a breather, looks up, it's their go again. Um, so, you know, and, and the idea is that, you know, if they're in a group, they can actually encourage other people as well. So the, the, the cool thing about that with the grouping is that you can actually have in your, say, let's say group of six, you can have two really weak players tackling each other, two 
if you want to call it medium players tackling each other, and two, if you want to say the, the, the top, the best, the elite. And therefore, they're, it's safe. They're challenging themselves because it's an appropriate level of contact depending on the ability level. But particularly the weaker, weaker players are actually able to still visually see what, what they should be perfecting. And that's a really, it's a quite a simple but quite an effective way of doing things. And that doesn't have to be tackling. That can be other things as well, can't it? But you go back to the first first question there, and I think contact is the most important part around that. And, and that's a really nice way of doing it. I like that idea of um, a group of six and you sort of differentiate a little bit within it. You uh, pair up with someone about your own ability. You may swap a few people around and then they've got a chance to go up against somebody of roughly their own standard, watch somebody else. And maybe the top group can even say, uh, be challenged to say, right, you're doing this well. What, what can you offer to the to the other players? Yeah. yeah. So there's, there's, there's a chance for... Um, Bit of peer learning and and that sort of thing. Well, our under fifteens this year, we did it with some of the other age groups. Our under fifteens, um, um, every every training session, due to the numbers, I I would split them. Um, I'd I'd say um, there's there's three groups, or sometimes it was four, depending on our staff um, numbers on the day. Um, and I said, go challenge yourself. If you want to if you want to push yourself, move move up a group. If you don't, move down a group. Uh, you know, if you don't stay where you are, sorry. If you if you feel that it was, you know, what we did last time was a bit too hard, move down if you want to. So they had a choice, and it was really, really interesting, really interesting that they generally got, they were generally the same as what we would have picked, actually. Um, but what was what players were able to do were was sometimes move up for a couple of sessions, sometimes move down, um, and. And that was quite cool um, because it meant that they were able to. Um, and of course, we wouldn't allow um, someone coming down from the A group, for example, if you want to call it that. You know, some monster to to, to come. That you know, we had the, the teachers were still in charge of the groups ultimately. You know, and the safety and how things would work with groupings and when they were in pairs and those kind of things. But but actually, it allowed the, the the players to feel that they had ownership over their learning. And, and what group they were in, and that, that we did that consistently every session throughout the term, and and they really enjoyed it. Uh, what you're saying that you did that under 15s, yeah, or, uh, yeah. So I'm thinking then uh, that obviously there's a there's a there's an age when you can do this, but we, we might just go, just uh, talk about that at a different time. So I'm thinking that um, a coach is listening in who maybe not with a school side but with a club side has got 25 players, 20 25 players. They could say, right, we're going to be doing handling. That's everyone's in. Fine. Yeah. Do it. Now we're going to move into the contact area. Uh, I want to split yourselves off into A group, B group, and C group. And uh, A group's going to be doing this. B group's going to be doing this. C group's going to be doing this. And so the next week, uh, they know roughly what's going to do. But you can then, as a coach, you can say to somebody, uh, just a second, why are you putting yourself in the B group? And someone who's in, uh, when they should be in the A group, or maybe someone's in the C group, uh, and they say encourage them to go up, yeah. or maybe say to someone, look, just why don't you just go down a group this week? I just you know build up your confidence. So actually, you can nudge people in different directions. You can do a bit of differentiation for fifteen minutes, and then go back and do everything together. Yeah, so this could be a really powerful tool for club coaches as well as school coaches. Yeah. yeah. Something that um, 
something that was linked to, to that, and, and and it is linked at every session, which I we wanted to pick up on, and maybe as well was it was the warm up. Mm-hmm. So um, every, every and it, and it is linked to the contact element because it has to be done properly. Every session, uh, the, the players uh, do independent warm up um, as a group in their groups. So let's pick that under fifteen group for example, one, two, and three, and what that allows during that period of time is. Um, teachers uh, staff to obviously look at the group and assess the group and just quickly make any changes if they needed to but um uh, but more most importantly it allows the, the players to have a focus and develop leadership within that as well and some they again feel that they're in they're in charge it's their session and they're and they're uh they're they're gonna they're gonna do a really good job now we've got a set warm-up which has been developed really over the last certainly three three years um and um it's changed a little bit every single time but the the idea is that um it, it basically is supported through the science um you know that it's helping knee ankle and shoulder particularly and and so they do all those activities to gear themselves up to the to the contact point but it's independent and through that so they've, they they turn up independent grouping independent warming up and then straight into the session. And honestly, it's very, really cool to, to see that because they're then more they're more focused for mm. when they go into their contact um, section. One of the things, yeah. So one of the things that uh, we talked about before we came on air was uh, leadership and giving the players some ownership. So you 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 were going to talk about uh, a moment which uh, you had at the Roslyn Park Sevens. Oh, and, yeah. Uh, yeah, so if you just want to tell us through, you know, that, that moment of, yeah, I, I think I might have cracked it, and then we'll just talk a bit about around that. Yeah, well, I, just uh, before before I talk about that specific um, example, I think over a period of time when I went into teaching and coaching, and you know, my idea of what I want to do uh, has changed. So I think it's, it, this is related to this particular example because when I started teaching, it was very much about me um, to be, be honest, everyone's got an ego, you know, very much about me doing it. And I enjoy the coaching and, and I'm sure the players enjoy the coaching sessions. Hopefully, you know, it was, it's good fun. But I was always thinking about uh, what, what I could do. Whereas as the years have gone on, hopefully I've matured a bit. Uh, but it's about what I want the players, the pupils to be like after school. So quite often, and certainly in the last decade or so, or so uh, I've, I've looked at uh, that's changed from time to time and it's become a case of well, what skills do we want them to have uh that you know pupils when they leave school and one of my big things is obviously obviously love for the game don't get me wrong rugby but about being independent being able to be able to adapt those those have got life skills now that might sound wishy-washy but that's genuinely what i believe in that is 100 percent. so um one of the big things that made me realize this was uh we had a we were very, very fortunate um, at school. We had some um, uh, really good year groups and we uh, got to the final uh, when I was at John Fisher in 2014 uh, at, of the Roslyn Park Sevens. And um, we were we were playing Wellington College at halftime. And I remember Mike and I, um, who's a, um, a surrogate dad, Mike Davis, we walk on yeah, the Mike, yeah. and the boys are in a huddle at halftime and they started talking and basically they're saying all the right things. And I, I suddenly remembered what a couple other people had said at one point and said, is there any need for me to, is it just me being cathartic? Bear in mind, it's a one minute, two minute, half time. Mm. I, we didn't say anything. They changed the tactics and we won the game. Mm. 
And um, I was, that stayed with me. That will stay with me forever. Uh, we changed the tactics. It was really simple. We had to punch the middle of the pitch, basically. It was nothing, you know. And But I, I instead of me saying it, the two or three players said it. And of course, they listened. There was no need. Everyone had a bit more calmness about it, more a bit of a breather, an extra, you know, suck of the orange or whatever at half time. And they walked off. And um, we walked off the pitch. We walked off, and Mike, I remember thinking, you know, are we going to speak or anything? We didn't. And I, I remember that now. And I think that that worked for that particular group. And I think this is an important point to make that it worked for that particular group that we'd built up to that. But I, I keep reflecting on that and think, what did I do? Or what did we do as a group to get them to that point? And so there are certain things that we did, uh, like in the, like training sessions. I remember being up in the deputy head's office, looking out the window, watching a training session that was com- t- run completely by the players. That was on a Tuesday after school until it got dark. This time of year, actually. And, um, and then they decided they wanted to do an extra fitness session in the morning. I was like, great, fantastic, if you want to do that. And out of that, it's, it has actually made me think that I'm not going to, I'm going to set my standards and I'm going to push players and teams. But I think you need to know where the team's potential maybe is. And that comes from, that can only come from experience, but also, and so you want to push them as much as you think you can, but also don't be unrealistic with it. So other sides won't be able to copy that, won't be able to replicate that other year groups. You're not going to be able to do it year in, year out, unless you are obviously on a scholarship train or something. You're not, you're not going to be able to do that year in, year out. So knowing the team, knowing the players, and um, like I know that they were going to be keen when they turned around before Christmas time and said, sir, we're going to train two or three times a week for sevens. They said that. And I was like, right. Uh, but that had been put in because all the staff over the years from under 12, 13, 14, 15, 16 had given them an absolute love, passion for, for sevens and they'd been very successful from it. And so actually for me, to be honest, coaching the, the first team, it's pretty, it, it, it's, it's, it's the easiest, easiest job in the world if you've got a bunch of keen, motivated guys um, in that respect. So yeah, independence is massive. Uh, for me and um, and the being adaptable and that particular example um, is something which will stay with me forever definitely I think one of the most important things you said was that uh, it's not going to work for every team but you've still got to allow them the chance and maybe they will be able to take it and maybe they won't so if and this is this would be interesting to see what your view was if you were listening to what they said and uh, they didn't say the obvious, the the game-winning thing, which was punched down the middle, they say we need to say we need to kick more, which and would have been completely wrong. <laughs> would you have then let them do that, or would you have said, oh, just a second, actually, uh, reverse squirrel, uh, we need to uh, come in and uh, say you're wrong. Where I, if I'm being really honest with myself, I think if at that particular time I would have definitely stepped in and said to them, "No, stop! Listen, this is what we're doing." Because we were in a semi-final. Um, someone called Paddy, which Paddy O'Doherty always used to say, the, "The final's the semi. The final takes care of itself." But it didn't <laughs> actually. But um, he, uh, but but I think I would have definitely stepped in then. There's been other lower stake, if I want to call it that, games, particularly like in recent, more recent times, because I've tried to stick to this philosophy because I think it works and I think it's what 
ultimately long term it will benefit the players and sometimes you might not see that ever they might leave school and they might they might um you know that that's when they might it might click but um you know maybe using lower slightly lower stake environments or lower stake compet- competition uh, matches festivals to to try that out or to try certain tactics or um, strategies coaching strategies out um and certainly more recently i've allowed players to do whatever they want uh, in the last couple of years definitely um and if they come up with an idea during the game uh you know then um i will I will let them roll with it on the whole um, the vast majority of the time. I mean, there's a chap called um, Nathan. He used to work at um, Eton. Uh, this, is about, this is about 12 years ago now. I remember speaking to him after the game and because one of the parents from Eton was speaking to him and saying, why aren't you saying anything? And he said, I'll speak to them about it on Monday. And I really, I, I asked him afterwards about that. And he said, well, I'm not going to affect that. I might affect that one particular moment at that time, but they're not learning really. They're just reacting to what I'm saying. Mm. I said, "Well, if you were, if you were, if it was to win, exactly the same kind of question. Actually, if it was to win, would you have said it?" And he was sort of smiling. Of course, he would have done. But the but the, the concept was that the, that the player had to learn through failing, and or potentially, and then they would might they might have a better buy in next time you say something. So, but yeah, that I would have definitely stepped in. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, it's uh, it is a, it's a very tough one from a coach's point of view, and in the moment. Uh, sometimes you've got to stick with what you believe and sometimes you've just got to say, well, actually, um, I think we probably, I mean, I've got a legion of stories around that where I think I did it right that time, but I didn't do it right the other time. Okay, so we've covered a whole range of subjects and there was loads of other questions I want to ask you, but I just want to tie up with a, um, one thing, which is um, you, you came in as director of rugby from John Fisher, fantastic school, of course, Abingdon also um fantastic school in terms of its rugby traditions and that sort of thing so there were you you were set up to a certain extent but you had to work hard as well and you you didn't just walk in and it was a bed of roses um can i ask you if someone is just taking up say a director of rugby role maybe at a school but maybe overlooking a club side uh where they had to support a group of some experienced staff and inexperienced staff what what do you do first? What's the first thing you do? Um, not pretty much as you open the door, but the first things that you would do to start that role. Smile. I think you know. Initially, you know, going and meeting people and being being you know open and and quite positive to say the least, and really enthusiastic about meeting them and trying to remember names and remember. Uh, remember p- things around um, their, you know, bits that maybe you can connect them together with you. Now, this might seem a bit silly, but you know, it might well be that. No, 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 not at all. Absolutely, uh, this is something like find, finding a common point. Yeah, right now, we'll talk about it, but it's massive. My, honestly, re- genuinely, for me, relationships uh, in terms of connections are very, very important. And um, you know, so for trying hard, my memory, particularly short-term memory, I have to say to you, is pretty poor. My wife would, uh, would definitely vouch for that. Um, but uh, memory in terms of trying to connect people, it, you know, it might well be that, for example, uh, that guy loves steak. This sounds really silly, doesn't it? But you can have conversations about food or conversations with them about their football team or um, anything at all that gets them talking. So I see it a bit like a date. 
you know, and gets them talking to you and rather than you talking at them and you listening and properly listening as well about them. And that's really, I think that's massive. And don't get me wrong, I'm not preaching. I don't get it right and I all the time and I don't have amazing relationships with everyone at all. But that's certainly something that I actively try and do. And I think when you go into a new environment, that's huge, absolutely massive. And it goes back to that building relationships, trust, getting a connection, trying and then... You know, it depends, isn't it? Some 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 people like going for a pint and and socialising that way. Others don't do that at all, and it's finding finding somehow um, a room in the in the day or room around where you can talk about something like cricket or whatever it might be that they're really into, um, and getting that and getting that buy-in. And I think then the stakeholders, the different stakeholders in 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 our school, particularly, you know, it's although Abingdon is very actually it's smaller in numbers now than John Fisher. Um, the number of staff is massive. You know, you've got 300 staff, roughly, if you include support staff. I think it's just under that now. Um, you've got parents that are absolutely amazingly supportive and lovely. And we've got a huge, a brilliant group, the Touchliners, the, the, the parent group that we meet once a month. Unfortunately, it's on Zoom and it's in the pub normally. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, active, very, very, very much in, keen and interested in what's going on. And you need to make sure that you communicate really well with with them, um, um, and, and and make sure that they're 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 happy. And that could well be that you do a, a presentation at the start of the season or at the term, setting out what you think um, things are going to be like. The one thing that I, I I did last time, I did mention this earlier uh, when I joined, was I, I genuinely didn't necessarily do any major big changes initially because one. Um, it, it's in a strong place. It's in a really good place, and but but most important, and, and that might be that the environment isn't where, where whoever is going into, and therefore the changes need to be made quickly. But also, I think it was about looking and listening and observing and taking in what the pressures are for staff and for pupils, the day, how the day runs, um, and then starting to like I would write down on my phone around school dictaphone, just like what I was thinking about and. And write down in a little notepad um, and then over the course of the first year I started to put down some points so that by the time I was in my second year halfway through second year I had a a, a plan a development plan under certain headings um, which I could then refer back to you know when you've got like 27 staff which I counted for this season plus some external coaches alignment's key and therefore then maybe in your second year third year as you're going through you can then start to bring in if you're in a DOR position in a school, you can then start to bring in maybe these are our these are our uh, values, and the way that you can get that is by asking the staff. So doing one ones with the staff, asking them what they think is important. Um, not necessarily a Google Doc form because it's a bit impersonal, but that is useful. But just saying, you know, what do you think about school? What do you think is important? And having conversations, whether that's on the bus with them to the game or uh, or, or in the staff room. Um, or maybe a more formal one-to-one, still casual, you know, talking to them at the end of the season about what they think the the club's like and what and, and what they think's important and what they think the the pupils should get out. Because actually, really interesting conversations. What do you think? Why do you think rugby is important? What do you like about it? What's the what are the um, what are the things you want the pupils to to learn by the time they finish? And and actually, interestingly, this is the important point is I think is that they'll say pretty much the same thing that you already believe in, but it's come from them. Therefore, you can go back to them and say collectively we've all just discussed these things. We believe in this. 
but actually deep down that was actually your 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 you know what you agreed with anyway um and actually going back to like a podcast you mentioned at the start someone who really a couple of people who did that really well um i mean mike friday mentions it but andy friend uh mentions that and uh that was one of the best ones actually in how it, how he does that so I was I was really interested in in, in how that that happens because I think a misconception of mine pretty much was come in all guns blazing and change everything. Well, one it didn't need to be, but also as well you could look a bit of a fool um, and, and quite and not necessarily that approachable. Um, and you're going to make loads of mistakes um, uh, if you do that. I think. Well, I think that's pretty good. Uh, very strong advice to finish up with but also i think it's important that uh, we alert people to where they can go and listen to all these uh podcasts because i think the the range of guests is fantastic and the fact that you are saying what you're saying you got so excited about it, it'd be fascinating to see these these people in action so where do we go to listen to these podcasts um it's it's goldie's rugby podcast you can find them um on spotify apple Podbeam was where I originally did them as well, actually, if anyone's got that. But, yeah, and on, if you just go into the store, you can subscribe from there. So right, it's easy. Great. Well, I mean, I've really enjoyed uh, the conversation. And um, I sent you a, a bunch of questions, and uh, we only probably covered two or three of them, though we did cover probably more in the round. And for me, a couple of really fascinating things came out there was uh, the how you organised – uh, the staff with consistency, with clarity, um, but keeping it simple, not making it simpler, but keeping it simple. So these things really came across. I mean, the amount of energy that uh, comes across from your approach is is fantastic. And I think lots of people can draw something from that as well. Uh, so Matt, thanks very much for your time. Uh, I'm glad I got you on the other side of the microphone. Um, and I think that um, you're probably very modest about what you've done with Appington. Uh, and it, you would never say it's about the results. And it's not about results. But if uh, it's about the fact that you've got a fantastic curriculum, which I think we'll maybe have another chance to talk about some other time. Um, and yeah. it's a lot of work. But you would say hey, that it's all your own work, is it? Teamwork makes the dream work. And I must say yeah. to you that, that that you might be interviewing me, but there are tons of people at the school, um, particularly, and, and the people this season just gone, uh, Steve Bates and um, and George Strange, uh, who's an OA as well. Those Us three together were, were working real hard at the start of the week, each week, and, and to, to come together. So when those guys listen to this, they need to make sure that, you know that that's really important, and, and we've we've a number over each year. Every single coach has added uh, added something, um, and we've we're working really hard to try and make it it great, really. So, but thanks ever so much. It's a real privilege. Um, thank you. I really, honestly, it's, it's awesome. I have to say, I I, I I remember many you know a few years back um, getting through your emails, and uh, and I, I looked up to the to, to the skills and drills, and still use many of them. So they're quality. I, I, you know. It, and you said everything goes full circle so um and keep it simple but thanks very much for the invite i really appreciate it thank you well no thank you matt and um you, you are modest about what you've done but uh that that team is i'm glad you emphasized the team there but it, it comes from people wanting to build it and you've worked very hard at that so um thank you for everyone listening in if you want to hear more uh go to the rugby coach weekly 
website and click on the podcast button. This uh, podcast is also available on some of the, um, well, pretty much all the podcast providers that Matt mentioned, like Podbeam and Spotify and Apple. Um, please go along, like and share. And um, thank you very much for joining our conversation. Catch up with you soon. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Rugby Coach Weekly Podcast. If you want to hear more podcasts, head over to RugbyCoachWeekly.net and click on the Blogs tab to catch up on any episodes you've missed. We look forward to speaking to you again soon with more insights from coaches and experts from the world of rugby, sport, and learning.